0: This is DMOU, Destination Marketing Organization University, the DMO Sector Podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Geist. DMOU is where you hear the best and the brightest in the destination marketing space, sharing innovative and compelling stories to inspire you to take your destination and organization to the next level. The format for our conversations on DMOU is elegantly simple. It's three questions and a bonus round. And today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Destination Analysts a team of travel industry experts widely known for their pioneering customized travel and tourism research that is second to none for its reliability, affordability, and transparency. They not only assist clients with the interpretation of their research results, but the architecture and execution of strategy based on that research. And during the COVID-19 crisis, Destination Analysts have been producing weekly consumer trend insights. And you can download the latest edition at DestinationAnalysts.com. And now on to our show, our guest today is Kayleen Griffith, the president of Visit Bentonville in Bentonville, Arkansas. Kayleen promotes Bentonville as a world-class travel destination and advocates for growth within the arts, cycling and trails, culinary, music, aviation, and film scenes. Her strategy is to create an environment of collaboration which fosters growth and encourages partnership for success. Kayleen attended Kansas State University where she studied early childhood education. And though her studies prepared her to be a teacher, Kayleen found herself consistently employed by businesses in the tourism industry. Her previous employers include the Park and Rec Department in Dodge City, Walt Disney World in Orlando, Resort Sports in Orlando, Chambers of Commerce in Dodge City, Jefferson City in Springfield, Missouri, and the YMCA of Callaway County in Fulton, Missouri. Her positions have ranged from lifeguard, I was one too, to director of sports, director of special events now as executive director. In 2005, Kayleen was hired as the president of Visit Bentonville. She was appointed by the governor of Arkansas to the Arkansas State Parks and Tourism Commission. She's also a board member of the Arkansas Hospitality Association Travel Council and the Arkansas Association of Convention and Visitor Bureaus and virtually every community board in Bentonville. Kayleen Griffith, welcome to DMOU.
1: Thank you. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, it should be fun. We met a decade ago at an Arkansas CVB Association summit, and then we lost touch and that was my bad. So when we reconnected recently on the Destination International webinar that I moderated that you were a guest on, I was honestly blown away with the level of influence, the connections, and the relationships that you've built in Bentonville and that you started building almost from day one. Seriously, you are a case study for anybody that aspires not only to be invited to the table, but set the damn thing at the same time. So. Here's Your first question When you first took the reins of the CVB uh, back in 2005, you say the organization was not well respected. Was that an unexpected gift?
1: Yes, um, during my interview, that was not at all um, brought up. Um, they did, <laughs> me, yeah, you well, know, you always you, they don't tell you everything all the time. They did tell right. me I had a couple of challenges, and I said, Oh, okay, well, I, uh, you know. Every job when you go into it new has a few challenges. What I didn't understand was that we were not well respected. We did not do our job in some senses. Two uh, leaders prior to me were not involved in the community and also made some not so good decisions, which gave us a lot of people questions of what our role was and how we handled things. The main thing for me was that the restaurants didn't think we were doing our job. The hotels didn't think we were doing our job. Leaders in the community didn't think we were doing our job. So for myself was, you know, coming in in August of 2005, I really had to kind of say, okay, let's step back. What is our job? How do we tell people what our job is so that people understand what what our role is in the community? So the first thing I did, uh, Bill, was... Um, I met with every single city council person one-on-one and as well as my commissioners, which I have seven of those. And then I took an extra step. And within the first three months, I met with every single hotel, which I had 14 at the time. And now we have 21. And um, I met with every single restaurant, which was 125 of them. And now we have 247. Wow. Yes, yeah, I walked in their door, took photos of every single place because Our website didn't even have photos of all of our restaurants. So we kind of took an initiative to say, hey, we're here for you. I really took the effort of saying, I'm going to ask you three questions. Give me your honest answers. Hey, I'm new to the community. I don't know. So you're not going to hurt my feelings. I've done nothing prior to this. So let's just go with these three questions. And so with those three questions, it was really about um, what are your biggest challenges um, in the community? We didn't focus on just tourism when I said that because I wanted to hear what their biggest challenges were what do you have a value from us, from our Tourism Bureau? And then what would you like to see us do in the future? And I really, you know, I really wanted to let them kind of just talk about what we weren't doing and then also talk about, hey, what would they like to see? So then I could kind of see if they understood our role. You know, one of the things I wanted to know, do they understand what we do when they tell us what they want to see us do in the future? That helped me tell our messaging and how did we go out and tell the community? And so we, Really uh, looked at it from that perspective. During the week, because we are the home of Walmart, 90% of our hotels were sold out Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And then Thursday, they were probably up in the 60s. On our Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays, we were at, like, I would say on a good day, 20% occupancy. Wow. And we were like, wait a minute, something's not right. So what I did was I stepped back and said, okay, let's create a one-page strategic plan for our first year. Because I really was just saying, hey, let's pick five or six things to really focus on so that I could tell the story. I think I spoke at every single uh, nonprofit civic organization that I could. I went to every single city council meeting for that first year. There was a community event that I was invited to. I made sure that I was sitting there. I probably did more meetings in that first year than I've ever done in my Career. just making sure that I was present, I was hearing what was going on, I was understanding what what was going on in the community. And I was invited to boards that that's not the board they should be sitting on or they should be involved in. But I was fortunate that I got invited to those because it educated me on what was going on in the community and allowed me to give really honest feedback from a newcomer and also uh, just to get involved and get to know quite a few people. For that first year, what we really focused on is being transparent, because that was one of our challenges where people thought we were trying to not be transparent. And, you know, we are FOIable, but everything wasn't as transparent as it needed to be. So really being transparent, improving our public relations and enhancing our image were uh, one improving our local and regional partnerships. We did not work with any other city when I came here. We were not involved in the state. My goal was to hit six of the state Parks and Tourism Commissioners meetings out of the, I think they do 11 of them. My goal was to hit six of those because they're all over the state. So trying to get to those, I usually tried to get there for the one day aspect of it. And then educating on our product. What product did we have here? And making sure that we were telling our community leaders and our community about those products. And then improving and promoting our area as a quality destination. You know, if you look at us 14 years ago, our main attraction uh, was the Walmart Museum. We had one destination. We did have... Uh, Compton Gardens, which is a small gardens area, and Peel Mansion, which is an old historic Victorian home. Um, And those were our destinations. The Compton Gardens and the historical home were probably your, I call them secondary destinations, that they're not going to probably bring people here, but they're things that if somebody was here that they would do. And then our Walmart Museum, and we we were really a pass-through destination. And then, you know, 14 years later, we have Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art, Native American Museum, the newest museum opening up the Momentary. We have over 200 miles of trails. So we continue to grow as we are in those 14 years to a destination that people are coming to on a regular basis uh, and that you have multiple days where it wasn't just come in, eat lunch, see the museum and go on down the road. And then our last thing was just research what we were missing and how do we enhance it and working with our community to make sure we brought the right things to the table. And I think our number one thing we did to change that 15 to 20% occupancy we can, we really invested in sports because we had phenomenal sports facilities we just were not utilizing them from a tourism element so we really changed our kind of our focus and we went from having 11 events of sports to having 50 within two years and really filling up all of our parks and our facilities and uh, you name it we did it if somebody called me and said we want to do this competition I said yes where What's it look like? Can you do it here? Can you do it there? We just really worked hard on making our area more attractive to leisure, to events, sports meetings, group tours. Um, we probably had 20 group tours. Now we have an average of uh, over a hundred, 125 a year, you know, and then from our, um, from sports, we're up to about 65 sporting events a year. Our meetings, we don't have a convention center. Uh, we do have two hotels that have convention space. One has about uh, 18,000 square foot and one has 8,000. And then we um, recently created unconventional convention downtown where we have a meeting space that can host about 400, but then they meet We have different businesses downtown that um, have space that we uh, kind of have our breakout sessions in. So you get to experience our amazing downtown, but have this convention space. So we really just transitioned from being not involved in anything and trying to be involved in everything.
0: Okay. So this first very intentional six months or so on the ground in Bentonville, new kid in town, taking over the Bureau. And you say, everybody saw you. You were everywhere, even places that you wouldn't expect to be. So tell us how long it took for boards to come calling on you to say, hey, we really need your expertise and your vision and, and your drive. I understand that you have a standing meeting with the mayor and city staff every week. Those are the kinds of engagements that I think a lot of us dream of, few of us have. So tell us how long it took to transition from new kid in town to being at the most important tables in town.
1: Let's start first. Let me talk about the Monday morning meeting. That Monday morning meeting started the minute I got here. They didn't do it prior to me coming, but what they did, the chamber president, myself, and uh, the downtown Bentonville started just meeting the three of us initially, and then we would have different folks come in. Uh, That was 14 years ago. Now, that continues to grow, and it is a meeting of all the city leaders or key leaders in the community, and currently- we have myself, Mayor, a Re- Walmart representative, um, Crystal Bridges representative, our Children's Museum representative. We have the Walton Family Foundation representative. We have the Chamber President, downtown Bentonville. We have a key business in town that is very vested in development that meets. And we meet every single Monday from 10 to 11. If it goes over, it's over by two or three minutes. It is a round table kind of. Experience. We talk about everything and anything. It is an open room. None of us are elected on different boards. So, you know, at this point, the press is not invited. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have open discussions. Sometimes it's op- about one topic uh, that we all need to discuss and be on the same page with. Sometimes it's a round table of, hey, what's going on? And all of our areas, and we each take, you know, if everybody's there, you take two or three minutes. If four people are there, you have a little bit longer to discuss some things. So it is a um, an opportunity that I feel like what has set Bentonville apart from other communities that are like our size, that we are very vested in what each other are doing. So if there's something going on at the school, oh, our superintendent of schools is there also, sorry. And if the school's going on, you know, we're the first one to say, Debbie, Do you need me there to be present at something? And she introduces us at the beginning of school to all of her teachers. Every city leader is invited to their uh, lessons because she says, these are the people you need to know if you need something in these areas of interest. And she introduces all of us to the teachers of the schools. Um, So it's a very, very conscious effort of making sure that we collaborate and we work together. So I think that is one of the things that I appreciated the most. What ended up happening is I think going to every single thing, city council meetings, parks and recs board meetings, um, if there's a public meeting that I thought I should know what was going on, I would sit in the back row of a room and just sit there and listen. And then afterwards, I'd always make sure I introduce myself to everybody. I'm not afraid to walk up to somebody in a in a room and introduce myself. And I think that made a huge difference. I would say, hey, I saw that you guys were talking about this. Um, we'd love to be involved in it. Or I worked on this in another community. Uh, or I was involved in this at this community. So I would try to say, here's here's where I can maybe help you. Um, I wasn't afraid to say that I would help. Um, as some people say, my work-life balance probably couldn't work for anybody else. I go 120 miles an hour, but I do take time for myself. Um, I'm very conscious of that. Um, and I take time for my family, but I'm also very vested in making Bentonville successful and making our team be successful. So uh, I think you just have to figure out what works for you, but being involved in the community really set Visit Bentonville apart from any other organization and put us as a leader in the community. When decisions were being made, we were being called to ask, hey, what are your thoughts on it? How would your team like to be involved? Do you want to be involved? And um, initially, probably the first three years, I said yes to everything, even if it wasn't tourism. Uh, My team would probably uh, was not as Happy about it, maybe sometimes, but you know, I felt like this was our way to kind of get our reputation back. And then after that, we kind of would say, How does this impact us from a tourism standpoint? If it wasn't, I would say, Does anybody want to be involved? If not, then we would tell them, Hey, this is not the time, or this doesn't fit our mission. But I would say that our mission initially uh, was about making Bentonville a tourism destination, but it was also, we had to have the respect of others to help us lead that effort, and I think my first year was a lot of making friends, and I think that was very, very important for us, and I would say that um, some of the people that I made are some of my greatest mentors to make our organization successful and also make me personally successful.
0: Yeah, there is no substitute for engagement, and if, if there's ever a model for Jack Johnson from DI's Community Shared Value, I mean, nobody can doubt that visit bentonville is that value yep. and shared by the community so next question as we look out at the brave new landscape of dmo funding i think we all know that relying on one or two primary revenue streams is a recipe for disaster private sector and corporate investment is going to be crucial to diversifying and increasing our budgets going forward when one says corporate you can't get much bigger than the company that calls bentonville home walmart there are a lot of towns out there that have big employers with which the DMO really does not have a meaningful relationship. With Walmart, you do. So tell us how a relatively small town DMO has one of the biggest corporations in the world on speed dial.
1: Initially, this was a tough question for me. Um, you know, if you would have asked me this question three years into the job, I would have said it's a challenge. But uh, it took me a little bit of time. I think two things. I had to show value by our organization for them to see us valuable, um, which I think that it took us a couple of years to really get there. But I would say in about that third year, I started building those really key relationships with Walmart leadership and was able to call on them and say, hey, we're working on this or we're working on that. And, you know, as most of you know, Sam Walton was very community driven. If you have not read his books, he was very, very focused on being involved in the community, which continues very much today. They are vested in what's going on in our community on a day-to-day basis, mostly because their employees live in our community or live in our region. They are very involved in our community. They have a passion for different causes in our community. So they are part of the city that Walmart is in. So Walmart wants that city to be successful. I think we're fortunate that we have them to collaborate with Um, And they continue to be partnerships with us. But I think one of the values we have is that they see us as a value from a tourism standpoint, but they see the chamber as a value because tourism creates quality of life experiences. And that is what employers are looking for more now than ever, that People are taking jobs by not just the position at the job. They're also looking at what are those quality of life experiences in the community. And I think that is where they see that value. And we sat in a meeting just recently, and we had uh, some of their marketing team in there. And one of the things that we got complimented on was that The way we tell our story is about quality of life and people see us as that experience. And I think, uh, Bill, we talked about this on that webinar the other day was that, you know, I always tell people that tourism is the gateway to economic development. People don't move here until they visit. They don't invest here until they visit. So they're going to visit first. So they're going to look at the Visitors Bureau as the front door to their time in our city. So we need to be make sure that we are creating that positive message so that it impacts the workforce and helps those corporations. But what Walmart does for us is that we're working on different events. And if there's an opportunity that a larger event sees a value in it, and I use our Bentonville Film Festival that we hosted. Walmart was a partnership with that. We're a partnership with it. Somebody else is hosting it, but we are both partnering with them. And what we do is we can make that connection with Walmart. So we bring the right person to the table. It's trying to get connected with those folks and we can kind of try to connect them to the right individual at Walmart, which is a huge opportunity. They're answering our emails. They'll answer our calls. Not that they wouldn't answer it, but it might take you a few calls to get to the right person because Walmart's really good about partnerships. The benefit we have that a lot of people don't know about is there's over 1,500 vendors and suppliers that service Walmart that have offices, here with numerous employees, Pepsi, Coke, Glad, Clorox, Rubbermaid, Newell, Red Bull. There's plenty more. Those are just some of your big ones that, you know, the Pepsi office I think has 35 to 40 people here, folks here in our office that just service the Walmart team. So we have those type of partnerships that even opens up another door, but you know, you have to make a conscious effort to meet them because they're really vested in what they're doing at Walmart. They're interested in being collaborative And they just, it has to fit with what they're working on. And it has to fit to what benefits, uh, you know, them and what it benefits the community as a whole and their associates.
0: Okay. So most of what we've talked about so far has been about external relations. Something you said as we set up this episode really struck me though. You said, while making connections outside the organization is vital, you said that connections inside the house is just as important. What do you mean by that?
1: You know, uh, when you said that, I was laughing because I say it all the time. And I, I think that was the first time I used inside the house because I think the way it was worded to me, but it was important to me is that over the years of being a leader in an organization, and I've managed uh, numerous organizations at different levels. And what I have learned is that you have to have the right people in your house. And it has to be a very collaborative and teamwork effort and every day is vital to make your organization successful. If you don't have the right people on your team, and I always use the Jim Collins good to great, the right people on the bus go in the right direction. You know, I think Jim says you get the people off the bus that aren't doing it. And I've learned that I've got to make that connectivity. They have to have the same Passion that I have or a similar passion, or a complement my knowledge, and that 's super important to me is that i 'm not the smartest person, but I have some really, really smart people on my team. I love the people on the bus right now, and it 's super important. We are going one hundred and twenty miles an hour, and with covid it 's even faster and you know before that, uh, because of our growth and the quickness of our growth. We have to kind of all go in the same direction or it does not work. We don't always agree on everything, but there's a great discussion and we have a lot of respect for each other and we value each other's opinions. And that's what creates the best plan. You have to have that discussion and I have to be able to sit and listen to their side of the story. And then I have to say, yes, I agree with you or, hey, here's why I'm saying this. And I always say that my early child education taught me you listen, you learn. You can always say no to something. Tell them why you said no, because a lot of times you say no, they don't understand the way I'm thinking. But now that I've explained that. Uh, my team usually can answer the questions before I ever get to the meeting or get to there because I have told them why I make my decisions. So now they're seeing that and they can create those answers knowing that the direction we're going in and why we make those decisions the way we do. I love in the good to grade how he says, it's about how far you can go. And I, I am fortunate My first team, I had everybody from eight to 10 years. We had a little bit of a transition of people getting opportunities at one point. And then now I've started over and we're now on the the three to five year plan with most of them back on the team. And I have a fantastic team. I don't think they're going anywhere, but it is really important to me to have a successful team. And I think communication is number one. Um, I've already talked about loyalty. I think professionalism, But I also like to have fun. We celebrate our successes and we support our failures. And really a big thing for me is, hey, I think our best moments are when we fail and we come out of that failure in a success. And we do that often. We take chances on things that some people don't. Uh, Somebody asked me to be on a board one time. I was about three years into the job and they said, we want you to be on our commission because you don't think like a tourism person. And I was like, oh, what am I not doing? Because I was like, why am I not thinking like a terrific right. person, you know? And they said, no, because <laughs> you, you have all these other job experiences that you pull from. And it's not always what's been done all the time. So for me, that was kind of a an eye opener. I didn't want to miss something that I should have been doing there. They were saying, no, you were, you're kind of, I kind of erased the box instead of just stepping out of the box. Let's erase it and let's start all over and let's go. You know, I put that strategic plan together in six months. I'm adamant to have strategic plans and set goals so that everyone knows their expectations, we know each other's strengths and weaknesses when we need to pull each other in i always i still to this day feel like you have to value every st- uh, staff person in house to make your team successful and i am truly fortunate that i have a team that i value every day and i couldn't do my job without them
0: you know staff culture is so important and it is sadly so rare to have a culture like yours and i think that you hit right on the issue is why?
1: Yeah. Tell them why. Yes.
0: Because if they understand the reason, they may still not agree, but at least they know that you're just not being arbitrary and that you do care. It's listening and why. I, you couldn't have hit it more. It's, yeah. All right. It's fabulous, fabulous conversation. Thank you so much. Time for the bonus round. When we talked with Gretchen Hall from Little Rock, she suggested that it was basketball that led her to destination marketing. You also played sports before embarking on your business career. And while it may not have led you to destination marketing, it certainly positions you as somebody not to mess with. What was your sport?
1: Well, I know the sport you want me to. I started out playing softball when I was young. I re- played basketball. I ran track. I did all the sports that you can think of. But I think uh, the one that you like uh, to hear about is um, I, when I went to Kansas State University, I played rugby.
0: Love it. And, love um, it. Love you,
1: it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like Gretchen Hall, I do think that sports is what made us successful in the direction we went in because all of my jobs, all the jobs that you brought up, had some type of sports element to it or some type of hospitality and tourism to it. Um, when I interviewed for the Crystal Bridges job, I said that, I didn't know that I was in tourism. And I think rugby taught me a lot of things along with my other sports, but rugby especially is it's all about, and we've talked a few about a few of these things, but life's better when you stick together. And I think we talked about that from a staff perspective, I think showing respect and you have to do that in rugby. There's a lot of rules in that type of thing. My favorite is you got to play through the pain. Rugby, if anything taught me, you got hit hard. It doesn't stop. The game keeps going, there's no break. Getting the air knocked out, you better get back up and run. And it doesn't stop from that perspective. It's about commitment and passion. I loved playing rugby, and I did that for about a year and a half before I moved to Florida for Disney. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, I made some of the most amazing friends from that experience. And it was a club sport there. So uh, the Fort Riley military base was also involved. So we had university students and the Fort Riley military base uh, women's team. And I wouldn't trade what I did there, learned from it. I'm probably still feeling some of the pain, you know, 30 years later.
0: (laughs) i tell you what, college kids and military, you guys must have been badass.
1: I will tell you, I thought we were until we went to Colorado Springs for um, like our second tournament. And there were some big teams there. <laughs> I learned <laughs> real quick that we better be a lot faster.
0: <laughs> Speed and agility beats that, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> they were big. They
0: were good. All right. Yeah. Hey, Kayleen, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule for this podcast. You are a model for DMOs and for DMO pros for the way they need to think about engagement and relationships and and just building, if not getting invited to a table, building your own table. And and I think you've done a lot of that uh, in Bentonville. And uh, we all are thankful for what you do there and what you do uh, for all of us in Destinations International and the industry.
1: Well, thank you, Bill. I appreciate it. This was an honor to speak with you. I look forward to working with you and more.
0: Yeah, we do, too. That's it for this edition of DMOU. Tell your friends and peers this is where the best and the brightest come to share their stories. It's DMOU.com. Thanks again to our sponsor, our friends at Destination Analysts a team of travel experts that are widely known for their pioneering customized travel and tourism research that is second to none for reliability, affordability, and transparency. And during COVID-19, Destination Analysts has been providing weekly consumer trend insights, and they're free. You can download the latest edition at destinationanalysts.com. DMOPros.com is where you're gonna find links to our services for the DMO sector, links to the Z News, our knowledge bank, videos, blogs, and the biggest DMO job board on the planet, as well as past episodes of dmou that's dmopros with a z.com executive producer of dmou is terry white and this is a production of dmopros i'm your host bill geist until next time